Hey folks, it's Judy Ansel from the Heartland Labor Forum in Kansas City. You can find us at kkfi.org. The Heartland Labor Forum is a member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. Just go to laborradionetwork.org and you'll find a grid of logos for shows. Click on any one for history, news, politics, or arts, all about the most neglected topic in the corporate media, workers. Check out our show on kkfi.org and all the shows at laborradionetwork.org. BCTGM Voices Project, a podcast highlighting the real people who make up our union, the bakery, confectionery, tobacco workers, and grain millers. I'm Michelle Ellis, Director of Digital Media. I will bring the work of our union to you through monthly interviews with the BCTGM's hardworking leaders, organizers, and everyday members. This is the BCTGM Voices Project. I first met Andrew Gutierrez, the president of BCTGM Local 351 in Albuquerque, New Mexico, in 2018 when I was assembling a social media panel for the union's 40th constitutional convention. Local 351 caught our attention several years ago when we started seeing really valuable union content on their social media feeds. How to spot the union label on the grocery store shelves, shouting out their members for products they make in the local community, things like that. I thought Andrew could offer some of his strategies in a small breakout group, and he didn't disappoint. Andrew is super passionate about this union and also serves as a vice president in the New Mexico Federation of Labor. He's a true leader with a heart for activism and service to his members. Not surprisingly, attendees to the workshop got a lot of value from him that day, and I think you will too. Remember that you can share these recordings with your union brothers and sisters or interested workers by taking a screenshot and sharing on social media or sending the link along in an email or text message. Also, BCTGM Voices Project is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. Please consider leaving a rating and review on your favorite platform to help us build our audience. With that, here is BCTGM Local 351 President Andrew Gutierrez. Fun fact, Local 351 has the most social media accounts of any other local union. So we're going to talk a little bit about how he uses those things later on. But first, we're going to do like a member profile so that people can get to know you a little bit. Your union background. It's not necessarily true that Andrew grew up in a family where it was made into a big deal, but incidentally, you do have family members who were union members. Correct. It wasn't talked about a lot uh, as a, you know, growing up, but later after I became really involved with it, I started talking to my mom and, and some of my family about it. And it turns out I had a ton, I have a tons of, of union family members, educators and um, former railroad workers and things like that. And, um, I wish I had known it before, but it was still really fun to find out and um, start to talk to them about the union and 
it probably helped you understand better where your interest in it comes from. I mean, it kind of fell into place that you're super passionate about what you do. Yes, yes, I am. You know, when I was still a, a shop steward and I was going through all kinds of training, not hosted by the International, but yet, you know, I still wasn't that high up, but I attended a school called the Grace Carroll Rocky Mountain Labor School, um, which is hosted by the AFL-CIO. And that kind of was what lit the fire, you know, learning from fellow union members. The instructors of these classes are actual members who, who volunteer and do it uh, on their own time, on their vacations and things like that. And so you get these real lessons from actual people working inside the, the factories and inside these different industries. Um, and that helped a lot, you know, that really lit, lit the fire and, and helped me understand the importance of it and the solidarity at these schools. You know, you get a hundred people that show up and you've never met each other before, but you all have this common interest and, and the solidarity is almost instant, you know, and you just, you, you build these bonds. I still talk to, this was six years ago or so. And I still talk to some of these people every single day. I mean, the things you build, connections you build, there's really good. So that's awesome. a big part of the passion. Yeah. Well, we shared a picture of your, your very cool tattoo a few weeks ago. And I was telling Andrew that has that tattoo is probably the most engaged with post on social media. Will you show them real quick again? I want to see. Absolutely. There it is. That's so cool. I love it. Awesome. Okay. So you work at Bimbo Bakeries, right? Correct. Okay. So how long have you been working there? And then how did it come upon you that you were going to become a shop steward? Um, I've been inside the factory for eight years now and I probably became a steward within a year of being hired. I, you know, what did is I actually saw a flyer in the union bulletin board about a union meeting and the language on the flyer is specifically caught my attention. It said, this is your union, you know? Um, and I, and I didn't really know that I was at the time that I was even part of the union. I didn't really know what that meant. And although I was paying dues. And so I went to a meeting just to kind of see where my dues were going, what, what, what this was, this, this thing that was mine, you know, showed up out of the blue. And a lot of the people didn't really even know who I was, but I was able to verify that I was a member and I just, I loved it right away. You know, they were, um, the way they were so concerned with the members, the, the employees and their rights. And um, I just knew right then and there that I wanted to be a part of it. And so went to a few more meetings and they quickly, you know, swooped me up and started training me. And they also saw the passion and the interest and yeah. started yeah. me. you know. Yeah, that's cool. So you were a shop steward for how long? I mean, technically, I'm still a shop steward, but uh, before I was an officer, I was a shop steward for maybe three years, I bet. Okay. And then VP. And then I became the vice president, correct. Okay. And then you you mentioned Earl Reed. We should give a shout out to him because that's- Correct. Uh, so Earl, Earl was also part of my grooming and my uh, training, and he was the president and business manager at the time, and when I served as the vice president, um, which is- how I started getting more involved with the international side and, and realizing that I kind of had a, I had something, you know, and I wanted to pursue that. And he yeah. also saw that. Um, and then he retired and I ran for office and I, and I won my election. I did run opposed. This was a good race, but I did won. I did win that election and here we are. And I just got reelected for my second term now. Good. Congratulations. Thank you. So uh, anybody that has been paying attention all along the way here, we did interview President Shelton last month, and he laid out the case then that his tenure here as the international president is going to be really focused in on serving the membership. 
And this is something that you do really well. So I do want to make sure that we uh, talk a little bit about that, like your vision of what it means to lead a local union. Well, you know, I just, I feel like sometimes as we rise uh, in the ranks a little bit, we kind of get disconnected. I feel like from the, from the membership or from the workers, especially if you uh, move out of the factory and you're working out of the union hall full time. I've been to uh, bigger union functions where the, the union officers are wearing suits and ties and stuff. And I'm, I, you know, I've never owned a suit in my life. I'm, you know, I wear jeans and boots and, um, and I kind of could see, again, it was, it's not intentional and it's kind of inevitable in some cases, but I could see the disconnection already from kind of that working class mentality. And I think the fact that I still work in the factory, it helps maintain that. And it's, um, you know, the, helps, it's easier to service the members when you're working right next to them on, on the factory floor. But yes, I, I would agree with, with President Shelton though, servicing the members I mean, that's what, that's our bread and butter. You know, if, yeah. if the members feel like they're not involved or not being heard, um, you know, then they kind of start to distance and, and we, we, that's kind of productive to our movement. Yeah, really good. So you serve your bimbo shop. That's the largest one you guys have. And then you have smaller retail units around. Correct. So we have four contracts, including bimbo. And then the other three contracts we have are retail uh, bakeries, in-store bakeries, uh, in the grocery stores. So we have Kroger, which is the Smith's brand out here, but it's a Kroger company. Okay. And uh, we have 23 Smith shops across the entire state, um, all the way from literally the border down in Las Cruces to the other side of the state in Farmington, which is, which is north. So that becomes kind of hard to service because still working in the factory full-time, running the local here at the office, it's so hard to get out on the road and see these members. And so we do the best we can. And I've learned, I kind of borrowed this idea from Wine Garden Rights, you know, where you take a shop steward with you. And I kind of do the same thing when I do these visits is I try to get other officers and other members to attend and, and show them that I'm not the union. You know, collectively, we are all the union. It's super important because people start to think of it as like this third party or separate entity. And they forget that they themselves are the union, you know. And so, but servicing the smaller shops is more difficult but uh, probably more important even because they, they see us less. And so yeah. um, it's really important to try to keep them engaged and keep them and make sure that they know that we're listening and watching, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's good. Um, so, all right, well, let's move into your social media strategies. You had said you attended classes, which I think is great. Anytime anybody can find a class where you can exchange ideas with people in person, I would always recommend that, but um, you have, different hashtag series. Would you just explain what each one is and what the strategy is behind each one? Sure. Um, so we have three regular hashtags that we post. Um, we try to do it every week. Sometimes we do slip, but we're pretty good about doing it every week. Uh, and there's a fourth thing that we also do, which is our birthdays. We, we have a list of, you know, we have our seniority list and it has everybody's birthday on it. So every month we also list our members' birthdays and we send out a free t a union t-shirt to those, to those members. But the, the three hashtags uh, are, we do a hashtag member Monday, which is where we feature uh, real pictures of our members. Um, we try to show people the real life workers behind the union, you know, and remind them that the union is people and it's workers, you know? And so we do that, uh, do every, every Monday, we post a, a picture of our members. The, the second one is the worker Wednesday series which we post on Wednesdays, obviously. And it's a it's usually a labor quote or a quote of, of civil rights or labor rights or workers' rights, something of the, of the like, um, just a famous quote or a sometimes not so famous quote. 
Um, and we do that just to try to um, keep the members in, engaged and involved and remind them this, this movement is exactly that. It's a movement and it's way bigger than us and, and it'll be here long after us, you know? And so just to try to educate them on that a little. And then the other one we do is Solidarity Saturday, which we post on Saturdays, which is um, from our YouTube channel. We actually have a huge playlist of union songs and union music on our YouTube channel. And so Solidarity Saturday is a different song from those from that playlist every Saturday. Um, that has to do with either workers or workers' rights or the union specifically. Something yeah. I remember when you started doing that. Um, is music something that you love? Music is everything to me. <laughs> yeah. It's my. Yeah, I remember when you started doing that. I thought that was really cool. Um, I'm off the cuff a little bit. I want to remind everyone we belong to Labor Radio Network. There's, there's a podcast in there. You'll have to check it out. It's just strictly union history, labor history. And their intro changes every week. And it's a different song from history, a different labor song. And they'll always go ahead and say who wrote it and who sang it. And it's really cool. Another thing I wanted to add, one of the people that I follow on social media always is saying like, the union is not the hero, the people are. The people who are involved in it and so I just think that you do such a great job of recognizing that and you I saw your member Monday today the birthdays are huge like making sure that those people are seen another thing that your union is really great about community outreach and also making sure that you record what you're doing at these events and passing them on to Karina and I here at the international so that we can show it pictures, you know, the storytelling. It's so, so good. So first, how you serve the greater labor community by showing up at different events. Uh, Earl Reed actually taught me that, you know, he, he, one of the things he taught me was uh, when I went first went to my, my first AFL-CIO meeting as a secondary delegate, you know, under him. And, and he said, pay attention to some of the other unions because they'll talk about functions they have coming up or, or things that they might need, you know, bodies on the picket line, things like that. And at that particular meeting, nothing really happened. There wasn't any of that, but I never forgot that. And as I started attending these things solo and, and people would bring out their issues, you know, they have a picket line or they have a, uh, something going on, just a, a labor event. And uh, so we started, I started rounding up the members and just showing up to these things. Sometimes it would be a picket line. We, we helped, we picketed a lot with the hospital workers uh, last year and they were fighting for a contract and there's nothing louder than when, you know, a whole nother union that has nothing to do with your industry, that the only thing you share is unionism just shows up, you know, after a 12 hour shift right on the picket line fighting for their contract has, you know, for, for their stuff. And, and they don't forget that the other unions never forget that, you know, and then um, we were just doing it out of solidarity. We didn't realize we were making such connections. But then when we had a labor dispute and we um, were looking at a potential strike, we put out a call to some of the other affiliates and immediately the pledges started coming in. People were going to honor the picket line. They were going to show up. That was huge. And then of course we realized, you know, the correlation is you get out there and help them out. And, and if needed, they'll come out and help you out every single time. And, and like you say, we've built the reputation for showing up. Everyone just kind of knows the bakers are going to be there. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And so, and that's what we want. We want them to know that we're here and that, 
again, the movement is bigger than the bakery or the BCTGM. And then so, as far as the re recording it goes, uh, you know, there's, we, we try to, again, just showcase the members' involvement and remind the community that, uh, that we are that a community, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So what about some of the political action too? You do a lot of that as far as helping candidates that will help the union. And then I know that you have a couple of uh, issues of your own that you're very passionate about. So just talk a little bit about that. Correct. With the starting with the basics, uh, as far as like voting and, and the rights to vote, you know, we try to encourage all members, no matter how they vote, just to go do it. Um, even whether they're voting for a union candidate or not, just go out and exercise that right. We really try to push that. In fact, we've even altered our, our union application to include a question of whether or not the potential member is a registered voter, just so that when the voting time does come around and we're doing a voting drive, we already have a list of people who aren't registered or, or who are registered. And that way we try to help people get registered to vote. And again, regardless of how they want to register or how they want to vote, it's just, I think, more important that they actually do it, you know? Yeah. So the political side, you know, it's just, I think it's uh, it's a necessary involvement because, you know, if we elect pro-union candidates, well, then we pass pro-union legislation and we just further our rights in our, in our cause. Yeah. And they go hand in hand. Um, and then as far as, I do have some other issues that, I, that I'm pretty active in um, and that are not necessarily to do with the union directly, they're my own kind of personal activism. Um, but I think it all connects to the union. One of those, for example, would be like uh, immigration rights and very pro-immigration, anti-deportation. And again, while that doesn't seem to the naked eye and might not connect directly to the union, but when we start talking about human rights and civil rights, our workers' rights, I think they're inseparable. And especially yeah. when, you know, here in New Mexico, a lot of our membership are, are Spanish speakers or are immigrants from a Spanish-speaking country. And so what better way to remind them that, that we're here for them than, than those kind of, that kind of involvement. And again, it also has... Sometimes there's that, not just a language barrier, but a trust barrier to speak a, a different language. And so when they see or hear about me on my own time being involved in these processes or these battles, it definitely helps break down that trust barrier because then they feel, they feel like, you know, they can trust you and you're not going to, you know, you're not going to jeopardize their, their status or anything of that nature. And so that's a big one for me. And I, again, I think the union and the politics, whether we like it or not, they go hand in hand, you know, and, and I yeah. think that's important to know and understand how and why they go hand in hand, you know. Yeah. And and also paying attention on a regular, I, I just feel like so much has changed in, gosh, what, like eight years? <laughs> I mean, so much has changed around politics. So it's, unfortunately, it's harder to distinguish the truth now, but it's probably more important than ever to try, especially when you're leading a group of workers. So, um, so again, just alluding back to what President Shelton said, you know, the definition of a union leader is to be that guy who is willing to stand up and say, this is an injustice for the people that aren't willing to maybe rock the boat or they're afraid they're going to lose their job if they say something like that is your job. And you just do such a great job of that. And um, you know that we see you because, you know, even at the convention that year in 2018, President Durkee was like, there's going to be a picket down the street. And you were like the first guy, like, I'm there. So um, that's cool. That's, that's what we want here, right? That's good. Andrew, do you have anything to add before we try to wrap it up? 
Uh, I don't think so. I just hope everyone stays stays in the fight and keeps the union at the forefront. Um, yeah. You know, without the union, we wouldn't have these rights, and we wouldn't True. be what we are. And so. I just out of curiosity, like, what are you millennial generation? I think by the definition, I am. Uh, yeah. Thirty eight years old. Thirty eight. Okay, me too. I, I've just been reading a lot about, especially the attitude around unions. I feel like as I've been working here, it's changed a lot. When I started working here, nobody I knew understood it, or or if they did, they didn't agree. And I feel like that has really shifted. I mean, to this day, and especially after the last year, I think millennials and even the one after us, whatever that is, Z. I think so. They, they definitely see the need for it. So, you know, it's been tough, but I think it'll, there's, there's a shift going on, I feel it. There's a definite shift. I think the next round of union leadership is going to be millennials. They definitely yeah. are taking, taking the reins. Their voices are getting louder and, and it's about time. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. All right. Well, um, that's all I've got then for today. Thank you again. Thank you. Touch. Luck serving your memory well. later. If you found this content valuable, please consider sharing it on your own social media pages and be sure to tag us. We are BCTGM on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For more on the activities of the BCTGM, go to bctgm.org.